Good evening. It's good to be together tonight. What an exciting opportunity that that's going to be. I appreciate the mission committee's work. Appreciate Doug Perry's work. All those who've been praying for the work in Brazil. We're excited about the opportunity there that we have to serve God. And proud of our team in Brazil. Proud of the Fowlers and the work they're doing. And speaking of people that we're proud of and people we appreciate, we appreciate Christy and Elias Roque. And tonight after services, I just want to remind everybody that we're going to have a fellowship meal that's going to be in the fellowship hall. That's where you have fellowship meals. And, uh, and together we'll all just, just get together and celebrate the time that they've been here uh, and honor their work the best way we know how. Probably share some laughs and have a good time. And I hope you'll stick around. It's, we've got a lot of food, I think, and a lot of people who've helped get that thing ready. So we're very excited to honor them in that way. They were the loudest most obnoxious house guests in the history of house guests. They swept through the house like a locust plague, eating and drinking everything that they could find. The cupboard, the pantry, the cabinets, nothing was immune from their raiding. Bilbo Baggins didn't like this one bit. He hadn't asked for this mess. He hadn't asked for these house guests and who had invited them anyway? And what was this meeting that they kept referring to? It was, it was, seems as if he was the only one who had no idea what was going on. But little did he know that this merry band of dwarves and a wizard named Gandalf had a great plan, a risky plan, a plan that could potentially cost them everything, a plan to dispel this evil dragon smog from their mountain home, a plan that really sounded more like a suicide mission than a plan. It was time to take action. It was time to go home. It was time to take back what was rightfully theirs. It was time to go to the mountains. If you would go ahead and be turning in your Bibles to the book of Mark. We'll be in Mark chapter 1, so if you can go ahead and turn there, that'd be great. While you're turning to Mark, do you know anybody who's high energy? Anybody who just seems like they have limitless amounts of energy? How about Phil Wagner? That's a good one, right? Um, Phil is pretty high energy. There he is. In full hippo mode. How about uh, Phil's dad, Pat Wagner, those of you who've been to El Salvador. If you want to meet him, you can probably go to Waffle House tonight about 4 a.m. He'll be there studying the Bible with somebody. That guy is high energy. How about our preacher, David Shannon? I think he has Mountain Dew running through his veins. He's pretty high energy. A book of the Bible that's high energy has to be the book of Mark. It's an action book. It's a high energy book. In fact, the word immediately appears 36 times in Mark's account alone. I just want you to glance with me at chapter one very quickly. I hope you're there. I'm just going to read you the headlines. You might have these in your Bible already as headers, but if you don't, just kind of scan the chapter. I want you to check this out. See John, see John preach, see John baptize, see Jesus, see John baptize Jesus, see Satan, see Jesus, see Satan tempt Jesus, see Jesus preach, preach Jesus preach, see Peter and Andrew, see James and John, see men fish, see Jesus, see men follow, see men fish for men, see demons, see how they run, see Peter's mom, See Jesus heal. See Jesus pray. See Jesus heal. 
Do you get the feeling that Jesus was high energy? Speaking of high energy, do you know who else is high energy? Have you heard of Honey Boo Boo, child? Uh, that little girl is high energy. If you haven't been fortunate enough to know who Honey Boo, Honey Boo Boo is, I'm jealous of you. Um, I, think, I think the best way to describe it, and this really is saying something, um, Here Comes Honey Boo Boo might be the rock bottom of reality television. At least I hope it is. Um, but anyway, the show follows this little girl who competes in pageants. And one of the most controversial figures in the show is, is Honey Boo Boo's mom. And one of the things that has, has made her very highly criticized is this drink that she created for her little girl uh, called Go-Go Juice. Go-Go Juice. She found that sometimes Honey Boo Boo in these pageants had a very hard time staying awake and being like at the top of her game. And so what she did was what she created this drink called Go-Go Juice. It's a, it's a healthy blend of Mountain Dew and Red Bull. <laughs> Needless to say, it helps her stay energized. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, John Michael gave me some Go-Go Juice. I was talking to him about this message and I tried it and uh, I thought I was gonna die. But um, the other day, the other day when I was, the other day when I was studying, I had an epiphany. I think Jesus drank go-go juice. That's weird, but it's kind of true. And I'm a little bit serious. But how in the world did Jesus drink go-go juice if Mountain Dew or Red Bull hadn't been invented yet? That's a good question. Let me show you. If you haven't already, let's look at Mark chapter 1 in your Bibles, if you haven't turned there. I want you to glance with me here, and I know that we glanced at it a second ago, but I want you to see it from this angle. I want you to imagine what it must have felt like to be Jesus. Imagine, you think you're busy? Imagine what it must have been like to be Him. I'm going to read this as a little bit of a fast pace on purpose because I want you to see the pace that Mark writes, the style that he writes in and the pace that he writes with. This is crazy. Let's pick up in verse 21. I want to point out, by the way, I'm going to point out that everything we're about to read all happens in the same day. Okay? Verse 21. Then they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now as soon as they come out of the synagogue, they enter the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. At evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick, and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. End of day. Wow. That's a long day. More on that in, in just a moment. Let's go to verse 35. 
Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone's looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he'd spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. By the way, if you're someone who likes to make notes or underline things in your Bible, this is a pretty cool verse. Make a note by this one because it really sets the stage for the rest of the book of Mark. Verse 45, here we go. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And here it is. And they came to him from every direction. Now that, that last verse really sets up the rest of Mark. From here on out, that's what we see. We see people coming at Jesus from every direction. That's really what seems to drive a lot of the action that takes place in the book. We use a, an expression for when somebody achieves instantly a celebrity status. We call them an overnight sensation. It's this idea that one day you can kind of live your life in an ordinary way, but the next day something happens that gives you instant fame. In keeping with the pageant theme, remember the clip of Miss South Carolina from the Miss America pageant a few years ago? Uh, some uh, people, uh, such as the Americans, U.S. Americans, and everywhere, such as the maps and Iraq and the Iraq and the U.S. Americans, such as, remember that? You're an overnight sensation. It's been viewed like 50 million times on YouTube. It's crazy. Suddenly, you can't go out in public because this is your new identity. The, the paparazzi are, are lined up at your door or outside your home. They follow you around everywhere you go. You don't have the privacy that you used to have. And all of a sudden, whether you like it or not, you've become a very public figure. But Jesus didn't hide behind shades. And he didn't sneak out from a back entrance using a limo. He didn't fight off the paparazzi. He didn't try to disguise himself from those who needed him. Instead of rejecting his popularity, he used it to further his public ministry to the glory of God. Can you imagine people flocking to you from every direction? Every one of, every one of them wanting something from you? You had a question for Jesus or you, you wanted to hear him teach or you wanted to catch him in his words or you wanted to see a miracle or you wanted a free meal or you wanted to be healed yourself. It didn't matter. There are times when I start to think about how stressed out that I am and I have to take a step back and think, man, how must Jesus have felt? So, honey boo boo, how do you do it? You're five years old for crying out loud, but you're a celebrity. It's the American dream, right? How do you do it? What, where does your strength come from? It's go-go juice. That's one part Mountain Dew, one part Red Bull, two parts crazy, maybe three parts child abuse, I don't know. 
Jesus, how did you do it? I mean, you got these droves of people coming to see you. They want a piece of your time. Everybody wants a piece of you, of your time, of your power, of your wisdom. It's got to be exhausting. How do you do it? Where does your strength come from? Did you see the verse where Jesus drank the go-go juice? Did you catch it? It's there. Wait, wait. I thought we, we didn't have Red Bull. We didn't have Mountain Dew. There was something that fueled Christ. Dare I say something more powerful than even mixing Mountain Dew and Red Bull. When you look back and you understand that everything in verses 21 through 34 all took place in the same day, you have to go, wow, what a day. Jesus held a seminar in the synagogue. He healed a man with an unclean spirit. He cured Peter's mother-in-law. Now the whole city is lined up outside of Peter's mother-in-law's house and Jesus is operating this, this free miracle medical clinic from the doorstep while they bring to him their sick and their demon-possessed. And so naturally, you get to verse 35 where it says, and it came to pass that after these things, Jesus said, behold, I am tired. And immediately he took the day off and did sleep a mighty sleep until the third hour of the day. No. That's not what we read at all. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Jesus, how do you do it? Where does your strength come from? Mark 3.13, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those who himself, he himself wanted, and they came to him. Luke 6, verses 12 through 13 tells us that he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. Mark 6, 46, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. How do you do it, Jesus? Where's your strength come from? My go-go juice? I go and pray. Now, please don't miss this. I didn't say he prayed. That, that's not the point I'm making here. He says, I go and pray. Where did he go? He went to the right place. That is, he went where the people were not. He went to the mountains. If you go back to Mark 137, it says that when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. You think that Jesus knew that? You think he knew that? Lord, everybody's looking for you. He had to be thinking, exactly, that's why I'm here. Not because Jesus hated people, but because Jesus loved people. He loved people enough to take care of himself, to refuel spiritually, and no doubt to spend time praying for those people. He prepared to minister to them through prayer. He didn't go to Starbucks. He went where the people were not. He went where the distractions were not. A solitary place, places like the mountains. Places like the wilderness where he fasted and prayed for 40 days. Places like an empty garden on the night that he was betrayed. In Matthew 6, verse 6, Jesus says, go to your room when you pray and shut your door. Not only did he go to the right place, he went at the right time. Mark 1.35, he went long before daylight. Am I saying to you that you have to wake up at the crack of dawn in order for God to hear your prayer? No, not at all. But when you take a look at your schedule, when is there a time when you know you can carve out time to go and pray? As weird as this sentence might sound, if we want go-go juice, we've got to go-go to the mountains and go-go get it, right? Go to the mountains 
make time to pray, making time to listen to God, that's what fueled Christ. I don't know if you've ever considered it before, but there are, there are countless stories in God's word that really feature mountains in a great way. Remember where it was Moses when he had that first encounter with God? Remember where he was? Remember when God's power was on display when Moses went up on the mountain to get the, the old covenant? Where did that take place? Remember where Jesus would constantly retreat with his apostles? The Mount of Olives. There were many times when God chose those mountains to put on his most brilliant fireworks displays, his magnificent scenes of his awesome glory and power and might. Guys, we need to go to the mountains. I think it might be more important now than maybe ever before for Christians to understand the significance of going to the mountains. Away from our phones, away from our computers, away from the noise, away from the office, away from the distractions. You're angry. Go to the mountains. Your girlfriend broke your heart. Go to the mountains. You're anxious. Go to the mountains. You're ready to quit your job. Go to the mountains. You're ready to end your life. Go to the mountains. A psychopath barges in and takes the life of innocent children. Go to the mountains. You feel like crying. Go to the mountains. You're looking for answers. Go to the mountains. You're looking for God. Go to the mountains. Someone's being a complete jerk to you. Go to the mountains. You're angry at God. Go to the mountains. You can't stand the sound of, of hearing your parents fight anymore. Go to the mountains. You need wisdom. Go to the mountains. You're tired of the person that looks back at you in the mirror. Go to the mountains. You're sick of, of having the heart that you have. Go to the mountains. You don't know where to go or, or what to do. Go to the mountains. As we wrap up, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about yo-yos. Is that okay? Um, this, is, this is a yo-yo I got at Target. And uh, it has Yoda. It's a Yoda yo-yo. And uh, it lights up. It was like a dollar. But um, I remember when I was in eighth grade, when I was in eighth grade, yo-yos... Um, all of a sudden just kind of came out of nowhere again. I don't know if, if the, the craze reached Mount Juliet, but there was a few years ago where it, it, was, it was nuts. Everybody in the schools had a yo-yo. Um, I was in the eighth grade and you'd walk down the hall and like 15 guys, yo-yos all the time. Um, my brother, he was in like sixth grade at the time. He, he really got sucked into the yo-yo craze. They had a, there was a $50 yo-yo called the Viper. He bought it. He was nuts. I thought he was going to have to go to rehab. It was crazy. So my brother Andrew got sucked into it. Uh, everybody was, was all into the yo-yo. And I know 50 bucks on a yo-yo is crazy, right? Because here's the thing about a yo-yo. It really, no matter how much you spend on them, they're kind of designed to do two things, right? What? To go and come back. To go and come back. I'm not very good at it. See? There it is. Regardless of what you spend on a yo-yo, they're designed for two jobs. They go and they come back. I think you'll understand what I mean when I say this. When you go to the mountains, come back. Spend time connecting with God. and Come back and connect with people. God didn't tell Moses to set up shop on Mount Sinai. He came back to the people. 
God didn't create his son so that he would live up on a mountain and keep to himself and never bother anybody. He came back from the mountain and ministered to people. God hasn't asked us to live lives of solitude. His plan wasn't for Christians to move to this little island and hang out together. He wants us to go to the mountains, that is to spend time with him, and then he wants us to come back to the people and to share him with them. Go out and come back. Go out and come back. Every week, I hope that you go back to the mountain of Calvary. I hope you go there and you see the man hanging on the cross who was crucified for you. But don't stay there. God didn't ask his disciples to stay looking up at the cross. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We must go to the cross and come back to the people. We must go out into the world and come back to the cross. The time had come for the dwarves to take back what was theirs. It was time that they had gone back to the home that they've been longing for for so long. It was time to go to the mountains. Jesus has gone to the mountain, but one day he'll come back for his people and he'll take us to that home that we've been longing for all these years. And one day we shall assemble on the mountain. Do you need to spend some time with God tonight? Do you need to spend some time with God this week? Do you need to reconnect with God's people? Have you never come to God in the first place? Maybe it's time to do that right now. Time to become a disciple. Time to be baptized to have your sins washed away. Time to make right while you still have time to make it right. If we can help you in any way, we want to help.